Well, hello. Welcome to the Red Couch Theology Podcast. On this podcast, you're going to hear from Alex Walton, the lead pastor at South Fellowship Church, and myself, Aaron Bjorklund, the worship pastor at South Fellowship Church, and the occasional amazing guest. And on this podcast, we just talk about Jesus, and we talk about life, and we talk about the scriptures. You see, we started this podcast because we were having these conversations in the hallways of the office here at the church all the time anyway. And we decided, why not turn on some microphones and a camera and let our church community and the wider world just listen into some of these conversations. So thanks for tuning in. And without any further ado, let's get into this week's episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to our new and improved, actually slightly downgraded um, <laughs> podcast situation. Wait, it's hey, there's improved. music playing behind us right now. Ah, I can't even hear the music. So I, I know, he doesn't have headphones on, so I'm like jamming out. <laughs> and do you that's like our intro music? Uh, but the, that's the thing. Okay, that's the thing. That hey, improved. and it's for the people who hear things, not just the people who see, see things. things. Yeah. But if you do see things, um, we are in a new studio space, which... You can actually see if you are watching eventually on YouTube because we're not live streaming right now because uh, there's no internet here yet in this space. Another way that it may not be improved exactly. today at least. It's a significant downgrade. Um, but if you're seeing the space, it, you see more cables and all these sorts of things. These are things that I tidy up later. And if I were to spin the camera around, it's a dark room with just cables and trash everywhere. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a mess. <clears throat> it's it's actually a, complete a mess. horrible environment to be in. And yet we're going to make it. We've got a sink made for children. Um, the, the, yeah, it's like two feet off the ground. Yeah, but we we are rebranding. Um, we are. So tell us, Alex. After much debate, so wait. Backstory: Why are we rebranding? Like, what was the got problem? Sick of having to make tea every week before we start. No, it wasn't the reason. We'll probably still make tea because we both like tea. Um, in actual fact, I think the significant thing was we called it "Guys Drinking Tea." And we, and then our some of our often, favorite guests yeah, were women. Didn't have just guys. Um, I mean, I guess we were still the guys drinking tea, but there were other people, um, and we hoped to have more women on. And so, I think that was a, a, a good enough reason. And then we found a red couch, um, <laughs> yeah, which you're sitting on. And if you can't see it, this this leather red, like it's not even leather. Probably it's like a plastic type couch that that Aaron said this is going to make a great feature for the podcast and I said good you get to sit on it then because it looks well uncomfortable it's super uncomfortable <laughs> um you watch like five episodes in we'll have two chairs and it will just be sat in the background I'm just going to be kicked back um <laughs> laying backwards basically um yeah so, anyway, so so we called it red couch theology because we have a red couch and we love theology yeah, exactly. So Red Couch Theology is the new branded podcast. So this week, you'll probably still see it as Guys Drinking Tea on your podcast app because we wanted to announce it first. Otherwise, you we know how much you guys look forward Absolutely. to our episodes. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. you can't wait. On Thursday <laughs> afternoon or Friday morning, you pulled out your favorite podcast um, app and you just scour. Is it up yet? I love it. it. Well, maybe that's not maybe the case. Maybe that's not the case. Well, I just love that. Well, I just want to apologize to the, the <laughs> five people that listen live that we're not live streaming today because um, that's a small crowd. But then, yeah, the, we, we, we love that there's others of you that tune in later in the week. If any of you out there happen to have a Cat 5 testing kit, 
Um, let me know in the if comments. Any of you, if there's any volunteers that would like to come run tech for us <laughs> yeah. for the podcast, like it's like being on the team. We might even ask you what you think about stuff. Maybe. Right now, Aaron is the tech guy for the team. Um, yeah, which, I mean, once everything's working, sort of works, but occasionally it doesn't. So anyway, yes, we're rebranded. It's Red Couch Theology. Uh, will be so that's what you're looking for the graphic will probably change the title will change but the content and the style of the show hopefully will stay well actually the bad parts will hopefully get better <laughs> no, what, what, no what, the content what, what, the content's going to stay exactly the same exactly the same yeah, just as nonsensical yeah, as it always has we like to meander around but this week we don't want to spend too much more time on that um this week we're talking about the second subject matter the second pathway in our series our vision series mm -hmm. which is you want to fill us in yeah so so the first one uh, i mean south has this beautiful mission and we differentiate here mission and vision between like mission is who you are um and and then vision is what you're trying to change or what you're trying to create like the andy stanley language's mission is what could be and should be uh, and so we are living in the way of jesus with the heart of jesus that's our mission and, and we love that. That's our call. Any church could say yes to that. Uh, and then we have this these pathways to doing that in this specific time. So the first one was creating environments that feel like coming home, um, which really for me was built around what I feel every time I go back to England, like that welcome, that excitement, that 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 sense of belonging and wanting to create that for people walking into a church community. The, the prodigal son feel, I guess, is that like experience for those of you that are, 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 are Bible people. Um, the prodigal son returns and, and there's a party thrown for him. It's extravagant. It's almost over the top and, and longing to create that for people in our environment. So that's the first one. And then the second one is, is experiences that lead to encounters. Yeah. That lead to next. And steps. this is the best one. This is your favorite one. Yeah, this is like, this is your heartbeat. This is you. This is my favorite whereas, one. Uh, whereas I'm like, uh, I love the first one a lot. And that's, yeah, and I love the second one. Uh, I kind of love the third one. Uh, I definitely love the third one. So it's tough. Of course you love them. You big, came yeah. up with some of them. I mean, like, <laughs> like we, we wordsmithed it yeah. into the point where you were like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the concepts but were the like concepts were for me and I think for the community. Um, what I'm not saying is that I don't like the rest of our yeah, vision. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Good. I'm not know. on board with the rest. <laughs> But this yeah. one is really Aaron's important. Aaron's intentionally trying to create environments that are awful. <laughs> that's not what you heard. <laughs> if it feels like coming home, then that's terrible to me. Um, so, so this one, what I, what I find intriguing about this one on a church level is, is you and I especially, maybe out of all the staff, eh, we create experiences every single week. Like every single week we come together and we say, what's the liturgy piece? What's the songs that we'll sing what's the text that we'll work around like how will we gather as a community around these elements and seek to use them to to help people live in the way of jesus with the heart of jesus it's really easy to get so involved in that piece that you forget that somewhere at the heartbeat of all transformation ever in the christian story has been some kind of encounter with jesus um, and that, and then, and then suddenly you realize, whoa, we're into the nebulous now. What do I mean by encounter with Jesus? Yeah. Uh, because Jesus isn't here in the physical sense. Like, so suddenly we're in the realm of like the spiritual connection. Um, 
and, and so not wanting to just say to people, wanting to have excellent experiences. And I think that's a heartbeat of South and, and has been for a long time, wanting to do things really, really well and wanting for a church of, you know, maybe 500 or so people for people to walk in and say, this feels like a bigger church did this because it feels like there's excellence. It feels like there's all these different elements, but also recognizing there's just the possibility you can do all of that and not leave space for people to actually encounter Jesus. Yeah. Like, um, specifically about like those Sunday morning gatherings. If we have like everything, this pristine, like we pull off everything perfectly, the lobby's immaculate and decorated beautifully mm -hmm. and smells amazing and all yeah. these things. And then, uh, the lights are perfect and the music is perfect and everyone sings on pitch, even the worship pastor. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, all of these things, if there's no encounter with Jesus, like who cares? And that like to pull that into like a, a, an example that's the, the, that is an example that so can only do so much somewhere. It's, it's like being invited to encounter someone like someone famous that you really, you really value. Yeah. And getting to the event and, and the food is, is incredible and everything about it is so well put together and, and the, the person doesn't turn up. I don't know who, whoever's like big today. Like, you know, there's, there's tons of people. Like I just saw Taylor Swift's like her, her latest gigs basically destroyed Ticketmaster's website. There were so many people trying to sign up. It's been a long time. She's been on tour. Yeah, so and it's just, just like, like there's a lot of Swifties out there. Yeah, so, so myself just, included. You, I'm, yourself I'm a Swiftie. Well, you're not going to get a ticket because you no. didn't get one already. But but it just like <laughs> it just blew up, and so apparently she's she's still this huge deal. Like if, if you want, if you're there for the person, like the food being good doesn't cut it. The 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 event being well run doesn't cut it. It doesn't matter. Um, and and there's something about the actual encounter with the person that that has to happen for the thing to be the thing. Totally. So a little backstory on this particular pathway. So as a staff, we've been talking about these things like initially as some of the, some of the main leaders on staff started the conversation. Um, and then we brought that in and the staff has discussed it and we've wordsmithed and all those sorts of things. We actually had a little bit of a debate about how do we word this one for you? Mm for the South yeah, family, yeah, yeah. because it's like the question mark was, does all of South create experiences or is it, is this one more of an internal language mm. statement? And, and, and we decided. Well, well, the ex we wanted to say experiences are more than Sunday morning, right? Exactly. Like we've got people that are like our food bank is incredible. Like it's so, and it's, and, and if you haven't been involved in it, like just, just check it out, like on an, at least an information level, cause it's gone from being this, this thing that really started a couple of iterations ago. Uh, I think it was Bob Schmeling or Hale that, that started it in her basement, like a couple of decades ago, then it was a Shari Malat thing. Then it was a Sharon Moxner thing. And, and it's gone through all these different iterations. And now Aaron Young leads this team of people and it's gone from being a, one day a week setup with a one day a week pickup. It's like a seven day a week thing all run by lay people. Um, and, and they are definitely creating experiences that definitely lead to encounters with Jesus. 
and to next steps. We and then so many of you, you run small groups in your homes. You or you have a backyard uh, barbecue for your neighbors. Absolutely. And and the the reason we think that this particular sentence experiences that lead to encounter with Jesus and mm-hmm. move people towards next. I mean, it's a little bit of a mouthful, but it is sort of describes like uh, imagine imagine for a moment you're you just have a a backyard barbecue with your neighbors and you think i want to create an experience that maybe has the chance of moving yeah. people to encounter the living yes. god your meal table with kids or grandkids can be this thing like yeah. that's how broad it is like you can you can create yes. space in a well planned meal to pause and invite Jesus into yeah, the table. Thursday night family dinner. Yeah. I want to create an experience that leads to encounter with the living God. Yeah. And moves And not people. just specifically Thursday. Like, I mean, like, if, you, if Thursday's your family dinner night, then great. But it could be any night. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point is it, it can night. be that specific and uh-huh. that. And so that's why we're like, as we evaluate it a little bit more, we're like, no, this is actually everything we want to be as yeah. a fa- church and family. And I've, I've seen this work. Um, and, and we'll get to like why it seems to be the heartbeat of the New Testament. I've seen this work with bedtime routines with my kids. Like I, uh, always, I love doing bedtime Your bedtime stories. routine with your family it makes me like, it puts me to shame. I don't I'm think that's so true, bad. but it's, but it's, I, it's, I a, love it's, a, it. it's, it's been great. a monster. It always has been like, it's like, it can be as long as it wants to be as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> Get I, off I, work, start at four o'clock. Yeah, right? I, I'm okay with that. So, so we re- have always read a lot, and and so usually, and what that would mean, like early on, is that, that my two oldest have bunk beds, and I would switch like one night on one, one night on the other, and then it just got too difficult, so we just all ended up in on our bed, um, and we would read something together. We'd read Narnia, like the series of Narnia, through a couple of times, Roldar, all these different books, and then we create space for just for prayer. Like for me to pray for them, for them to articulate something. Uh, and I remember at one point I'd been praying with my second daughter, Gigi, and, and she said to me, she's always been like this thinker, this point, you know, she's got this like thing going on. And she said to me, how is it that we can talk to God, but he doesn't talk to us? And I was like, huh, well, he does. We're just learning to listen. And and you can see like a wheel spinning and she's like, oh, okay, yeah, how do I do that? And I'm like, well, next time you've said what you want to say, like, just say, God, is there anything you'd like to say to me? And then just don't talk for a while like, and just see what happens. And you might have to do it a few times, but eventually like that's something for you. So she's like, okay, I can do that. Like it's uh, an experience that suddenly creates space for an encounter with Jesus together and then to maybe a next step. And it's, I, what I love about that story, one is I need to read to my kids more, but- um, You just got a new one that. to start with. Like, I know, you know, I get another you, you, you got, like, you couldn't like- my, my poor oldest daughter, you're like the experiment <laughs> child. And then, um, you know- I was just figuring it out. Yeah, but uh, it it's not just- an experience you're describing. This is actually, you've created a whole culture of experiences. Yeah. There's a pattern in your family where you're doing this system and you're praying mm-hmm. and it took probably however long you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, evening prayers, evening prayers, evening prayers. Yeah. And then suddenly something clicks in her mind that says, wait a minute, what we're doing here actually has cosmic implications uh-huh. and I want to understand what's going and on. What's amazing is there's this one neighbor that comes over and stays regularly. And the other night I was listening to Laura was doing bedtime with them. And she says to the neighbor kid, 
do you want to pray? And when she did, she prayed exactly like my kids. So like, incredibly in this like weird little routine, my kids are discipling other kids on how to pray, which is just so fun to see happen. So, so this, this is like, this can cover almost anything you want it to, whether it's a Sunday morning service, whether it's a food bank that gives away like half a million dollars of food a year or something, whether it's a, a small group environment that you're not really sure what you're doing as a leader, whether it's a bedtime routine with grandkids, with kids, with nieces, with nephews, all of those different things, whether it's running a Sunday school group, whether all the so many envir uh, environments that this could be. Um, and it really comes from this heartbeat that when you and I read the New Testament, what do we see? Um, people encounter Jesus and something changes. Everything changes. Yeah. 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 I mean, and quite often it's everything, right? But, but there's always this transformation element. Yeah. Um, I, so part of the reason I'll just sort of explain why this one feels like the most important one to me, um, one of the reasons is just uh, I spent several years, and I think I've talked, maybe I've talked about this in another episode or something. Um, there was a season where in my Bible reading, I decided I just want to get to know the person of Jesus mm. better. And so I just said, I'm just going to spend the next undisclosed amount of time just reading the Gospels. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and mm -hmm. over and over again. I wanted to... I don't know if you've ever, like, when you know someone really well, you can see them walking, like, a hundred yards away, and you can't really recognize them, but you can tell by the way that they the walk. Gate. Their gate. Uh -huh. Who that is. Yeah. I was like, that's what I wanted. Yeah. And so I wanted to sort of develop this intuition about the way he said things and why he said them that way and on and on and on and on. That was probably one of the most fruitful, life-giving practices it was probably about four or five years I where that. i just yeah. spent in the I'm gospels trying, i'm trying to not just lose myself in trying to picture jesus physically walk right now yeah like he probably didn't have good arch support from those sandals so like he, <laughs> his gait may have been a little off but yeah that's right. but like but the the idea of like this is who he is this is walking in his way and the, I, and i think the thing that i left that increasingly as i did this this practice of reading the gospels is over and over and over again. He would, he, he had the, he said the right thing at the right time with the right tone of voice mm. every time. Oh yeah. He just had this ability to see people and either press them beyond where they were, mm -hmm. challenge them in a kind of scary yeah. way or speak tenderness to them that they've never experienced in their entire lives. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I mean, and, uh, I don't know. It, that process just made me overwhelmingly impressed with the person of Jesus. And so this Sunday, for those of you that are Southie people, you'll know, but like we, we took Matthew, Mark chapter five, and there's these three different characters that need something from Jesus that, that experience or encounter him in some way. Um, and trying to deduce what we can learn from that because they all have a need. Some of it's urgent. Some of them are urgent. Some of them are longstanding. Jesus doesn't seem to pay a lot of attention to who thinks what's urgent, who thinks what's long. Like he, he, he does what he, he, he feels called to do in whatever moment. Um, all of them encounter him in some incredible way. Even though some of them are unclean, 
by birth in Jewish terms. Some of them are, have become unclean. Some of them are clean or at least think they are. And Jesus really just seems to discard the who is entitled to encounter God question that Jewish people had had a, a decent framework for for a long time. Like the general framework. These people are been, in, these people yeah, are out. These are the yeah. people that are in, these are the people that are out. He, he, he seems to just lose all of that. And yet there is still a timing issue that, that people sometimes have to wait for a while. Sometimes people experience him out of nowhere like it's like a blinding flash sometimes yeah so just fly through some of these stories like as an example so there's one guy that that we're told has has a bunch of demons or evil spirits living within him it's like a for modern day sensibilities there can be a tension of what what does that mean um and there's even some biblical writers that were or some theologians that would just say well it's just it's epilepsy or it's uh, something like that and yet the, the biblical writers, for the most part, have this framework. Having lived in Africa, I, I have a different yeah. opinion. On and, that. And, and yeah, and, and we both yeah. have that experience, right? Yeah. Like we've seen um, that spiritual element that the West has tried to discard. Yeah. Um, so very comfortably, the biblical author here is like, no, these are demons. And they even address Jesus and there's even a conversation. And I would suggest if you can be comfortable with Jesus being who he said he is, it's pretty easy to be comfortable with the idea there's evil spirits and good spirits and all of those different things. Like yeah. it's not, it's not a, it's actually not as challenging an issue as you think. Challenge one, believe that a guy rose again from the yeah, dead. Exactly. Yeah, if yeah, you got that, then oh, it's gay. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is up for grabs. <laughs> it's, it's the gateway drug to the supernatural <laughs> <laughs> resurrection. So, so that's the first story. And Jesus comes into that situation. And so fascinatingly for him, he encounters Jesus when he is not in his right mind, maybe doesn't even know who he is. And then it talks about him now sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus and all is well. And then there's another second character who is a woman with an issue of blood. Like she's bleeding consistently and in for, Jew- 12, for 12 years. years. And, and for Jewish people that say, yeah, there's an uncleanness to that. And, and so she's, really an outcast in society. And then finally a guy who needs his daughter to be healed because she's kind of at death's door. And actually she dies while Jesus is caring for this woman who's had the same problem for 12 years, who theoretically he could have healed at any point over the last. Yeah. During his ministry ministry or whenever. Yeah. Um, And, and then he tells Jairus, no, it's going to be fine. And I actually left out the, the wonderful part where she comes back to life. I just left it at the point of uh, Jesus says to Jairus, even in this, only believe. You got to wait. You got to wait. And, and waiting sometimes is difficult and challenging. Yeah. And she just, he raises her from the dead. Yeah. Um, miraculously. Yeah. And, and so each one of these encounters are both powerful and transformative and infuriating yes. in different ways. And and that's and unfair of, in some ways. Yeah. Cause cause it doesn't even tap into, you know, you see and you wrestle with this all through the the gospels, the biographies of Jesus' life. Like and, and Jesus even acknowledges it interestingly. You know, at one point he says, uh, in Elijah's day, there were plenty of widows that were hungry. Uh, and Elijah was only sent to one. And in Elijah's day, there were plenty of um, there was plenty of people with leprosy and only one, a foreigner was healed. 
Uh, and and so you think about every like every person with a demon. How many were there? Jesus, we're, we're told this one story. How many women had issues of blood? How many were healed? How many? Like, oh, there's always other people, uh, and so you're always aware that as many as Jesus heals, there's others that aren't healed. Yeah, and so and it seems unfair. So maybe a different question for for our, our listeners out there is: Okay, cool. I've heard these stories. There's, they sound great. Uh-huh. That'd be awesome if that happened to me. But Jesus is no longer walking the face of the earth. Yeah. And he's off wherever doing his thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I buy into transformation yeah. at that level like like it was then. Like, of course, if he was walking the earth, we'd be hearing these same kinds of stories. But I'm kind of giving up on the hope that that's possible now. And and and, and let's ju- and, and I, I that's a, I love that direction but but I think maybe even before that there's this pause of saying and Jesus doesn't seem to think the healing is the main point of the transformation. Yeah. L- like like that yeah. that Yeah, so she gets healed from the issue of blood and he's like he could just keep on walking yeah. to to heal this other little uh-huh. girl. Um but instead he's like hold yeah 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 stop everything, everything. Yeah, yeah stop everything yeah, yeah. crowd stop who touched me uh-huh and he has this and he and he decides to heal something that she wasn't even asking for exactly yeah and and, yeah. and with other people like with the, those people that they don't have a physical uh sickness but they their life situation is broken and there's there's a go and sin no more thing that language that comes into that the transformation is sometimes physical always spiritual and always leads to some different life, even when that's more complex than we imagine. Like the guy that's begged for 32 years now has to get a job. Because yeah. no one's going to take seriously a beggar that can walk. Or, or um, the guy that gets ra- lowered down in, from the ceiling while Jesus is teaching. And he's like, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like that's the part that Jesus is all excited about. He's like, <laughs> yeah, your sins are forgiven. Like and they're like... Who who does this guy think he is? And he's like, all right, fine. So you yeah. believe that I can forgive sins? Why don't you stand up and walk, this lame person? Yeah, it's so there's always this different thing, this other thing going on in those stories. Like people's lives are transformed sometimes because their physical situation changes, always because their spiritual situation changes. Um, and and then the question becomes: Yes, what happens? Can we take seriously the idea that? Jesus idea that it's better that I go because now like greater things will you do. Um, that that's, that's hard to believe. Yeah. At the end of the gospels and in, in the beginning of acts, there's this transfer. Yeah. He says, I've taken, I've taken all of this authority and I'm transferring the task of all the things I've been doing, doing, Mm -hmm. You know, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything that I've taught you to do, and like basically take on my ministry yeah. and carry it out around the world. And everyone's like, "Wait, seriously?" So, and I think it's maybe because we can all picture like what it would be like. Like, imagine. Oh, Siri's got an opinion too. Um, it's, it's just like this picture of some random guy in my <laughs> Apple Watch. Is that now. Jesus? No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> It, it, like we can picture like what would it be like we've got a gap in between our two chairs what would it be like if jesus sat in that chair 
and and we'd just stop talking Such to the whole like we, yeah, he's so, so <laughs> and we'd just like chuckle away at his jokes and like what do you think what do you think what do you think and he'd give all of this wisdom to everybody who's listening and that would that would seem to be the dream like uh, so someone said to me once like imagine like you know you kind of like jesus is with you your dog dies jesus brings your dog back to life and, and your cat dies and Jesus grabs a shovel and helps you bury your cat because he doesn't like cats. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just such a perfect life. Uh, and so to believe in, in like pithy language, the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you uh, is, is a hard, hard thing to believe. And yet that's what the early church were built on, was built on. And they saw the same kind of transformations. And if you look throughout history at revivals and various different things that have taken place in history, ironically, it's the same thing that happens in mm. these massive movements of God is people still encounter Jesus. I think that, and, and we've both been around some of those places and spaces that have seen some of those things uh, and, and, and have read stories about some of those things. So if you've never read, just go and read about different moves of, of, of God, like the, the, I, I, from my like British context, the Hebridean revival, the pubs were just empty. The Welsh revival, the, the like lives, the, the whole culture, policemen didn't have anything to do. Like whole towns, cities changed because people experienced God. And, and so, and people would have this sense of, I've just got to go to this church thing. I've got to go and I'm, I'm, or I'm being compelled. In, and yeah. Or even a New Testament account, like if Ephesians, like they get all bent out of shape because the entire, the economic infrastructure is shifting. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> they're like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> wait a second. Like this little band of ragtag Jesus followers is like messing with our economy. Uh -huh, yeah. Because they're just not dealing with some of the idolatry. And, oh, idol, and, you and know. that, like, I think that just bleeds so much into some of our mindset. Like, yeah, what would happen? What about those poor pub owners? They need to make money too. The, the, the New Testament models don't really care too much about those kind of things. Like Jesus doesn't seem to care too much about the economic loss of a bunch of pigs. Uh, he, he doesn't seem to care too much about the fact that the, the temple of Artemis artisans can no longer make statues of Artemis because no one wants to buy them anymore. Like the, there's a bigger thing in play. Um, but there is something I would suggest about our Western world that sees less of that transformation than other places I've been in. Yeah. And all I can put it down to, the, the, only, the only commonality that I can see is need and desire. L like there's less need. So, so, so many environments I've been in, like, like I remember the first time I was in the Philippines as a mm. 19 year old, if you were sick, in the middle of like, in this tiny village on an island in the Philippines, y y there wasn't really anywhere to go. Like, I mean, they're just, you were just there. Like, I mean, like you'd have to get a boat off your little island onto one of the bigger islands. And then this was the bigger island that had none of that stuff either. So you'd have to get a ferry for 10 hours from that bigger island to one of the main islands and possibly a plane to Manila. And so what did you do? Like your need was expressed through, well, you had two options, actually. You either went to a witch doctor or you went to Jesus. Um, and, and so that conflict 
and a spiritual realm that we talked about in that Mark chapter. That was there present all the time. Um, yeah, and in the other category, uh, this desire, I think one of the challenges that we have here in the West, and it affects me, I'm assuming it affects you, I, I'm assuming it affects all, a lot of us, is there the Western world, because of monetary stability and various different things, and um, there's actually a the list of options to have a happy to live the quote unquote good life, the list of options is pretty big. You could do, you could try the whole uh, career path, being significant in the career, mm -hmm. like rising the ranks. Um, you could try making lots of money, whether that's through career yeah. or through becoming an influencer or yeah, whatever yeah. it may mean. And maybe that's the way to set it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Or maybe I could try the whole physical fitness. Maybe if I looked amazing, yeah. that would be the satisfaction. Or maybe I could try meditation uh -huh. and that would be the satisfaction. Uh -huh. Or maybe I could try this religion or that religion or this pathway. Oh, no, no, oh, no, it's family. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to pour into just family and like hunker down and like try and isolate and like protect mm -hmm. my family. And uh, so the list of options to, ch to, to check off and say, I've tried this one and did that produce happiness? Did that produce the good life? Did that produce... In a lot of cultures, the list is much smaller mm -hmm. because you don't, you can't travel as far. You, you're just trying to feed your face, and that's yeah. about all you've got in a day. Yeah, and you've got your family, and there's so you can pursue ultimate expression of the good life and make your way through all of them by the time you're twelve. So that's, <laughs> you know? and, that, and, that's, and so then you reach this the end of that list, and you're like, "There's got to be more." And if you encounter Jesus, then that's where Jesus reaches in whereas here in the west it might take a lifetime and people may be just still punching through the list or i haven't played the right formula maybe it's exercise and career or maybe it's and they just spend their whole lives trying there's always to... a bigger tv there's always a newer car there's always like that so the american gospel can be life liberty and the pursuit of happiness right yeah and, and yet pursuing happiness has always been a dangerous idea in scripture at least like to, to for its own sake and, and and that effect like even for like for me i would say i consciously made a choice or followed a call to ministry over a career track and yet it's still really easy like in the season where we felt like god was moving us to something else when i was in new york we ended up out here it's still really easy to look at job listings and ask questions like, huh, how's the school district there? Like, what's the socioeconomic level? Like, is it like a type of environment that we would like to be in? And to a certain degree, the New Testament has no framework for that way of thinking. Um, and, and so even like recently... Why well, might challenge that. Okay, we'll get, we'll get there. Like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Even recently, because I'm going to keep going with my point of view. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> even, You're probably re right. Even recently, um, <laughs> the the... Someone said to me, like, well, is your house going to be big enough with a fourth child on the way? Well, it's 2,200 square feet. Like, I, I mean, like, <laughs> like for, for most of the world. Even 50 years ago, that's gigantic. Absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm stressing because they won't all have their own bedroom. Um, there's, there's like, yeah, there's an implication to what life should look like. So challenge that because, yeah, my, my broad premise is Jesus 
seems to the spirit seems to send people in the New Testament with no interest as to how affluent or good their life will be. Agreed. I guess my pushback is some definition of terms. Because I think what the what the New Testament seems to do, and frankly the Old Testament, it's it's not it's not like the way of Jesus is abandon all comforts. Yeah. It's actually um it's a let's redefine what the good life is. Uh-huh. And so, like, for example, in Hebrews it says, um, it's impossible to please God mm-hmm. unless you uh, believe that he exists mm-hmm. and that he is the rewarder mm-hmm. of those who diligently seek him. So, so you it, it's actually impossible to please God unless you think there's a reward at the end of the tunnel in one sense. Yeah. And that reward, the definition of what that reward is, may be drastically different than the American dream. In fact, I'll just tell you now. It is. It is drastically <laughs> different than the quote unquote American dream. Uh-huh. So I, but it's, but it's actually the same, the, the driving engine, uh, which is why we've talked about this on the show before. Like the problem is not that we desire too much is that we desire too little, nah. that we settle for all these earthly attempts at the good life. Meanwhile, what God offers us is this deep, satisfying soul, deeply satisfied soul mm. that's living into the design that God has given it. That's so palpable that it's actually so good yeah. that someone will go all the way to the point of death to maintain. Absolutely. So I think I say, I say like I, um, one of my love languages is finding new authors that I love. Like I, That's not in the list of it five is. love languages. Like it's, it's, it's in mine. It is my <laughs> significant one. Alex is uh, going to write another book. <laughs> sixth love the language. Sixth lo- the missing love language, finding <laughs> authors that you jive with. Uh, and, and so my, my new favorite, guy is this swiss guy called hans Urs von balthazar um just because you like to say it maybe it is it's actually hard to say i keep forgetting his name but but he just like for whatever reason just resonates with me and 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 in in this book he talks about how finding this pathway and and an encounter with the living god it doesn't it doesn't remove the joys of this life it enriches and ennobles them which was fascinating yeah. to me. Like just, yes, I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense to me. Pa- the Paul in the New Testament, this, this first century writer, he, he expresses it this way. He says, I know what it is to have little and I know what it is to have lots. And it seems like he's- And I've learned- To, to value, like to- I've learned to be content. Uh-huh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and yeah. So, so it seems like- to go back to my mindset, where I know I've started to trend in a dangerous direction is if I'm like, where might God call me where I'm going to be better off and rich instead of just saying, where might God call me? Yes. And, and, and in following his call, I might end up somewhere where I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm pastoring a church in Bel Air with a manse or parsonage that's like whatever. And I also might end up in a backwater rural district where I had a friend who was a, a pastor in uh, this rural church in, in Indiana. And she talked about how, like, when it came to Christmas bonus time, a local farmer would cut up a pig and it would it would sit on a doorstep like that was Christmas bonus. Um, 
yeah. Th- there was that it was it was just very rural, very just we we eke out a living, um, and that was their way of of giving. It's really easy to start to say the pursuit of happiness and actually as an extension of that wealth is the thing to pursue. Um, yes, and and when you live like the writer Alan Hirsch says that when you when you have a a world that combines comfort, convenience, safety, and there's another word that I'm blanking on right now, you find something that's almost antithetical to the gospel. Like, why would you need it? Why would you need the gospel when you live in a place that's that that has all of those things? Yeah, and so... I so I guess the argument I'm making, which I don't think we're disagreeing, it's just more a matter of these yeah. terms. It's more a matter of, well, define the actual good life, uh-huh. and it may not include, and likely doesn't include a lot of the elements that we would the American gospel would say, which and, is like yeah. all these other and, things. And, and that that's what's beautiful about the like to think to go back to the encounters with Jesus language when you look at the first disciples, the people he gathers. Not only do some of them leave affluent lives that are very successful and they do it because they're captivated by what they see in Jesus. Like when Jesus dies, they don't go back to them, which is perhaps one of the biggest pointers to a real resurrection. Like there's something about like, they're not like the story's over. I should just go back to what I know. They're like the story's over. The story's not over. I'm the continuation of the story. And and so Matthew, the rich tax collector, doesn't go back to collecting taxes because he's like, this thing kind of blew up in my face. He's like, no, I'm going to take this story and it's going to continue Um, because the risen Jesus has pushed me to continue it or has inspired me to continue. So like, all right, so maybe, maybe for some listener out there, you're hearing us talk about this and maybe just let me articulate it a little bit even more clearly in the sense that if you have this little hole in your soul that's still searching for what is that thing that's going to actually scratch the itch? What's that thing that's going to make life make sense? What we're suggesting to you right now is an encounter with Jesus is the thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you've yet to experience that, we're telling you right now that we believe here at South Fellowship Mm -hmm. Church encountering Jesus is the thing that your soul was made for Mm -hmm. and then continually encountering him. Now, if you're in the other category and you've had that encounter, what we're saying as a church during for this pathway, this creating experiences that lead to encounter, what we're saying is what we really want to be intentional about as a church family is if there's, if we have any power to create an experience. And and it seems like the New Testament indicates that the church is supposed to be doing this. Yeah. So we do have some access to like create an, uh, a conversation, to create a space, to create a liturgy, to have a conversation, to see someone in need, whatever it may be, whatever the experience is, we wanna do it to try and create those encounters for people because that's what the world is actually aching, dying, literally groaning for, according to Romans 8. Yeah, and the, so yeah, so it feels like what we're actually doing as a church community, and, and maybe all churches should be doing, this is our way of expressing it, we're looking for <laughs> repeated encounters with Jesus over and over and over and over again. 
with repeated or different next steps that he leads us into. Um, and that's really what discipleship is. Like yeah. discipleship is intentionally looking to experience Jesus through all sorts of practices um, and, and growing in that way. Um, yeah. And so this is, this pathway is a challenge for us to say, all right, let's at least, if we're going to do, if we're going to create any experience, whether it's a meal or a conversation at work or a, a worship service, let's try as best as we can to prayerfully and longingly create something that might have a chance of leading to an encounter with Jesus. Cause that's where yeah. the magic actually happens. And so, and I always think people like for one of the things I think people that I've spoken to like about this podcast is it's a bit of a window into like behind the scenes. It's like, I'm yeah. saying. um, for us, like some of that is like recognizing that there's all sorts of different ways that people encounter Jesus. Yeah. Um, like left brain, right brain conversations are in there. Like how yeah. people experience. Introvert, extrovert. Yeah. You know, like... So how do you try and create something? Like we have a whole bunch of people at South that really experience God through him as opposed to some of the music that we do in a month and our, and our responsibility to a degree is to push everyone to, to adapt to each other or to, to live in that world where we recognize, no, there are all these different sorts of preferences. What is it that we can do to create something that's broad? But what is it that every single one of us can do, which says, not only is my goal, this gathering to experience or encounter Jesus, but also my role is to help others do the same, to, to be cheering for them and longing for them. Um, and, and that's easier or, or maybe becomes more of your focal point as a pastor. I'm not sure it was always my focal point when I wasn't doing this role as a pastor, but I think it should have been. I wish it had been. I, I wish I could have attended community saying my goal is for others to encounter Jesus. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say something that I've just been thinking about a lot lately. Um, if you're just a someone who attends South Fellowship Church, you may not realize this, but um, you actually, uh, the Sunday morning gathering, it's potential for human transformation in the way of Jesus is minuscule compared to your relationship with your family yeah, or your relationship at work. Mm -hmm. Like we actually have, we can barely, we might be able to move the needle a little bit in, in this mm -hmm. kingdom transformation thing on a Sunday morning, but it's actually every member of South living out the way of Jesus in their workplaces, in their families, in their relationships that can, has the potential, the potential energy mm -hmm. to be, categorically transformative oh, so for other people. So. And I, and I, I don't know that I like, this is true for every teaching, but I had a pastor that I worked with years ago. He used to say repeatedly to the congregation, this idea becomes life-changing, not when I preach it well on a Sunday, but when you live it on a Monday. Yes. Um, uh, or, or and, and by extension, I guess him as well. Like yeah. That, like same with, same with me. Like w I spend a lot of my time preparing for Sunday. Uh -huh. I would, and there, it, I, sometimes I, I kind of wish it would move the needle more. Yeah. But the reality is when I go home at night and I have a family prayer time or a, a meal and I have a significant conversation with my daughter, that's actually probably has more potential for my daughter than if she showed up on Sunday when I led worship. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And yeah. so that's what we're challenging people and, and to that, do. Is, yeah. And as we nudge into next week, that that is an intriguing conversation. Like this week we'll sort of move to look at what would it be to be a church or a community that a city and world would miss if it were gone. Like yeah. the, the question around that is, would anyone notice? Would anyone actually care? Um, and there are elements of South as a whole that that people would notice and would care. Yeah. But but increasingly there can be more. Now that's both to me fascinatingly both an individual question and a corporate question. Totally. And 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 this this these couple of pastors in a book were talking about how they went to the mayor of Denver and said, "What social programs do you need?" And people threw all sorts of ideas out. But when the mayor finally spoke up, he said, "Well, actually, what we need is to create such a feel of community that when a person has a need, their neighbors." actually are interested and help take care of it um because there's nothing that we can do on social program levels that can compete with that kind of care and the one pastor he said before i really thought about what i'm saying i kind of said in this embarrassed way like am i the only one that's really embarrassed by what he just said like he just asked us to be disciples of jesus <laughs> like yeah he just asked us to love our neighbors and yep and, and for some of us that feels really hard um, but I think it's incredible, it's incredible how much these two things are connected. In actual fact, all these three things, these three pathways are connected to each other. Totally. They're um, intertwined. And that's, you know, again, my, to, to continue my case for this one being my favorite uh, is, um, I think that if we get this right, then the other ones just become so much more of a natural byproduct. Like mm. if you're consistently pursuing God and trying to encounter the living God in your own personal life, that's gonna that's gonna cause you to just be this hospitable person that creates environments that feel like coming home. And it and it his challenge to you and the next steps that he challenges you to make individually is gonna cause you to become a person that would be missed if you weren't there. And so the they these other two categories um start to become this outflow of these consistent encounters with Jesus. Now, on the flip side of that, some of those environments are the cause for the initial encounter mm -hmm. with Jesus totally. for someone. And so that's to say that they are both all necessary. Yes. And, and that's part of the reason why it's such a heartbeat for you, for the, these other elements is you, you want someone you to can, have that yeah, first yeah, encounter. There's a good argument that you lose people or, or win people before they even walk through the door. Totally. Um, like, you know, there's all sorts of questions there. And I think for the beautiful thing, probably healthy thing for you and I, it is in, in pastoring a church how humbling some of this is. Because in actual fact, it goes back to the idea that, that a church is only as healthy as the people that sit in the community, of which we are two of them. But we get to do this other role. And yet, like, the, the life-changingness of South is dependent on everyone, not just whether you or I come up with a good experience for Sunday morning or the food bank team come up with a good experience for Saturday morning or like it's, it's so broad. Like it requires a whole bunch of people looking for encounters with Jesus and taking next steps together and alone. Um, so, so good. Yeah. So I have a confession. Yeah. Uh, this whole time. Now I have a little bit closer access to our little technology device uh -huh. here that's recording our audio. Yeah. 
And uh, before the episode, I, I installed some fun little sounds and I've just been dying to push them. Do you mind <laughs> if I push some of our fun? I, I do, especially now because my first thought you was you were, gonna, you were about to say it didn't record. <laughs> no, no, no. We did record, yeah. but now you have to hear some of our fun sounds. And don't is, ask me why. Like... So we got <laughs> cheers. You're hearing Yay! it. Already. Yay. Good job, Alex. You said something awesome. So there's that. And then we have a chipmunk laugh. <laughs> like your fun. laugh is more chipmunk like than mine yeah <laughs> and then we have the wah, wah, wah. Uh, hopefully we never need that button yeah anyway <laughs> um yeah how's that relate to our episode not at all i just had all. these buttons yeah. here that i've I've never pushed these buttons in the, now, all these episodes we've had, and now I've pushed them, and they probably will never get pushed again. Yeah, yeah. I almost hope they don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially the womp womp one. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in. You know what would help us during this transition for the podcast is, um, one, if it shows up as a different title that you don't ignore it, <laughs> um, but and just continue to listen. But if you could uh, review the podcast on any on your favorite podcast service that just helps the the word get out um ask questions in on youtube or wherever or um uh, like subscribe comment all those sorts of things uh for better or for worse this is a particular medium that requires those kinds of things in order to be heard and discovered and uh well thanks you thank you also for all the encouragement lately yeah. we've We've been hearing more and more of you or starting to listen to this thing. We so, don't know why you're a little crazy. Someone told me the other day that it's their favorite thing about South, that Sunday mornings are okay, but the podcast is like the real life for them. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that last week in the episodes. But, um, it's So yeah, we're glad that it's serving you. Um, and yeah, so if it is, let's spread the word. And we love hope it. that it helps sort of flesh out your South life. And if you're, um, actually, we, I heard it that's, conference that jake put on here some guy who doesn't is not connected south at all he found it because of a jake video on church front's uh site and then found south and then found our podcast and suddenly he started listening to our podcast i'm like wow this is weird this is uh strange for we've got a long way to go to catch up with jake but uh yeah indeed <laughs> indeed indeed but thanks for tuning in and uh sorry that it wasn't live streamed it'll be uploaded um later Love you guys. All right. See you next week. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.